Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. I want to talk to you, uh, I want to finish up one of the series that Nathan has been dealing with in, in Colossians, and we're going to be in we're going to be all over in Scripture, so I would advise you. And we're not going to have any of them up on the video this morning. I just it just didn't didn't work. So we're going to be all over the place. So uh, and I don't necessarily I, we don't do a lot of titling of things, but if I had to title this, I would call it the Law and the Cross. So let's jump right in. I've got uh, uh, I'm going to set a timer so I don't go more than the hour and a half that they've given me so <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 starting at verse 13 chapter 2 verse 13 when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh he they're talking about God the father here made you alive together with him Jesus having forgiven us all of our transgressions, verse, verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of its decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a, or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defraud, defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Now, we've, we've talked about, uh, Nathan has been talking about the Colossian heresy and how that there were some folks in the church that were coming in and telling those people that had been saved, that had turned their lives over to Christ, that they needed to do something other than that, that there was something else they needed to do. Now, there were uh, many of the people in this church at, at Colossae were Gentiles. They were not Jews, but there were several Jews there as well. So uh, it, Paul says in verse 13, that they had previously been guilty of sin. Now he's talking about in the past tense that they had been they had been guilty of sin, and that and that many of them were not part of what the Jews considered to be a part of what they called the circumcision. In other words, they were the chosen people of God. So these Gentiles were not part of that, and 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 Paul is saying to them, he said they, that you you're you're not Jews. So in the past. You've not been God's people simply by nature of birth. And then you didn't proclaim God, and you weren't of the circumcision. They had a lot of things going against them when it came to knowing God. 
Nathan taught last week that the circumcision that Paul taught about was a circumcision of the heart, not made with hands. Christ had made a way for the Gentiles, and that's, that's you and I, as far as I know, no one in here is a Jew, so Christ made a way for us to be counted as people of God. Part of the heresy that Paul was battling in, in Colossae and it was that the Jews were saying that the Gentiles couldn't be saved because they didn't adhere to the laws of God, to the law of Moses that they followed. Paul was completely and intimately acquainted with the law and how others were using it for their own gain. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3 as he talked about his credentials as it relates to being in the law. Paul says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ uh, and put no, no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more, Paul says. And then he tells you what, what makes it true for him. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, he comes from good stock, he's saying, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. Paul knew the law. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, Paul said, he was found blameless. Blameless. So he had a right to be able to tell these people something about following God's law and the law of Christ. Paul said he had been blameless regarding righteousness, which is in the law. Paul learned some things about, about righteousness when he met Christ on the road. When he had that change of mind and heart and Jesus came to him and spoke to him, Paul learned some things that the law couldn't teach him, that the law didn't know. And Paul is, is, is a is a great example of a guy who was following the law all of his life. He was a Pharisee. He was, the, he was one of the upper echelon in the church at that time of the, of, the, of, of the Jewish faith. So we're going to take a look at the problem with trusting in the law or any other means of salvation outside of Christ. There are a lot of people in our world today that will give you a lot of other things, a lot of things that they say you need to do to be saved. Man, the list goes on and on and on, not the least of which are Mosaic laws, and some of those have been turned around a little bit. Now, they don't call them that necessarily today, but the idea is still the same. The law of God was completely fulfilled. Now, hear me out. The law of God was completely fulfilled in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and we're going to talk about that today. I want to show you over the next few minutes, and I'm, I'm not going to give you my opinion of it, I'm going to tell you what the scripture says about it. I want to show you how that's true, that the law of God has been completely fulfilled over what Christ did on the cross. The Jews believed that in following the law of Moses, they would be found righteous before God. Uh, Jesus told a group of Jews in John chapter 5 that they were searching the scriptures trying to find eternal life, and those scriptures were testifying about him, Jesus said, but yet they were unwilling to come to him. 
Jesus said, those same scriptures that you're searching are talking about me, and you won't come to me. He said, he said I would give you life if you would come to me. And he said, he told them they were quick to receive someone who came to them in their own name, but they refused to receive him. Jesus also said that they were giving themselves glory, but were not seeking the glory of God. Then he said something that would have turned their religious ideas upside down. Jesus was pretty good about saying things that kind of stopped people in their tracks. He said, don't think that I'll be the one, talking about himself, that I'll be the one to accuse you before the Father. He says, it'll be Moses. He says, he told them that if they had actually, because they were big in saying, we believe the law of Moses, we, we follow that. He said, if you, had, if you had heard what Moses had said, you would believe Jesus. And they didn't like that. He said, Moses has been writing about me, and you refuse to follow me. He said, Moses is going to accuse you in the last day, not me. The cross of Jesus forever, forever killed the argument in trusting anything else. Now, we've all heard the scripture that says there's one way to God. There's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the cross killed all the other arguments, including these things that Paul was battling. So Peter, Peter testifies to that very fact. Peter was a guy that would, that would uh, say something. He, he would preach at the drop of a hat. He would, he would say things. He would say what was on his mind. Uh, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't filter things a whole lot. I've done that before and I've had to back up on some things. So I'll try to filter some of that today. Peter, Peter testified to the fact that it's only in the cross of Christ and in Acts 10, listen to what he says. Now I'm going to, I want you to hear exactly what he's telling them because this goes right along with those that believe that the law, you need Jesus plus anything else are wrong. He says, of him, and he's talking about Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Now, he was preaching this to Jews. Then Paul in Romans 3.19 echoes the same thing, but he goes into it a little deeper. Uh, I, I, I want you to hear what, what Paul says here. He says that you're not justified by the law. He says, now we know, this is Romans 3.19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. No flesh. The Jews didn't, didn't, didn't care for that message. For through the law, he said, comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. What was that righteousness of God? How could you do that apart from the law? The Jews didn't accept that. We have people in our world today that say, there's a lot of things that you need to do to become right with God. And they add things to the cross of Christ. 
Jesus didn't add anything to that. Paul says, he says, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been, has been manifested. Now get what he says here. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Wait a minute, Paul. Prophets, that, that was at that time that he said that, many of the prophets had been thousands of years behind. How could they have testified about Christ? He says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe there is no distinction. And he says this famous line, for all have sinned and fall short of the, of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption in Christ Jesus. Paul made it perfectly clear that even the prophets of old, when they were prophesying the things that we read about all, 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 all the time, and I just want to take a little side note, you will not understand many of the things in the New Testament if you don't go back to the Old Testament and see where it started. You, you, won't, you won't understand what they're saying. The, the Old Testament scripture, the, the first five books of the, of, the old, of the Old Testament was all that Paul had to deal with at that time. So until you go back to that, you won't understand. It's, it's quoted many times, many, many times. So Paul said, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, uh, uh, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation. A propitiation means it's something that, that will appease the wrath of God. He said, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation, in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over sins previously committed. I told you there's going to be a lot of scripture today, so bear with me. For the demonstration I say of his righteousness at the present time so that he, Jesus, would be just and, and God and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. If you want to be justified by God, it starts with Jesus. It starts with him. It's always started with him. Always started with him. This is, I, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, uh, I'm going to go back, back to the scripture in our Colossians 2, verse 13. He says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He, talking about God the Father, made you alive together with him, talking about Jesus, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death, of debt, consisting of its decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This certi certificate of debt is a very interesting subject. It's interesting that Paul used financial terms. Nathan, I know that you'll love this. He's a, Nathan being in, in that industry, uh, he used a financial term. He used, he used a word in the Greek. It's, it's kerographon. That's a fun word, isn't it? Kerographon. And this basically is, uh, it, at, at that time, it's similar to what we would say today is an IOU. This was something that the, that the debtor wrote out himself and signed. 
He wrote this and said, I owe this debt, and I'm going to sign my name to it. And I owe you. Paul used that term. He said, when he said the certificate of death, he said that kerographon, that I owe you, that debt that you owe, that you signed your name to, consisting of decrees that are against us, has been taken out of the way, nailed and nailed to the cross. So this IOU document, this was a, a document that the debtor wrote out and signed. He acknowledged his debt. He agreed that it was his to pay. Do you, do you know that if Christ hasn't redeemed you, if you haven't gone to Christ, that you are you have a debt to pay? There is a sin debt that all of us have. And if you haven't turned that over to Christ, it's yours to pay. It's yours to pay. That's a, that's a staggering fact. This, this certificate of debt, this debt of sin, this chirographon, we were obligated to pay. You and I, in the day and time that Paul wrote this, People who owed a debt, a monetary debt, they could be enslaved and they could be put in jail for that debt. They could become a slave to the person that they owed the, the debt to. So this was a serious matter. People in that day would have known exactly what Paul was saying when he said, you owe a debt, you owe a kerographon. But it's a sin debt and it's got to be paid. The image that Paul's readers would have had in their mind was, was not when he said it's been canceled out, taken out of the way. How does that happen? How does that happen? He, they, they would have seen that, that it's, been, it's gone. Not only the debt, but the penalty for the debt. The penalty has been taken out of the way. This sin debt had to be paid in full, and payment was due. This was something that the law couldn't do. The law couldn't pay this debt. The law required payment in full. That's what the law required. Payment in full. You owe a debt, and guess who the debt was to? It was to God. It was to God. And payment was due. This wasn't a debt to man. So if you owe a debt to somebody, how do you get that debt canceled? You got to pay it, right? You either pay it. There's two ways of doing it. You either pay it or the one to whom it is owed cancels the debt. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever gone to someone and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to make my house payment today. And they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've canceled that debt out. You're good to go. <laughs> well, you're okay. I want to know the bank that you're going to if, you, if, if that's happened. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry about that car payment. It's fine. We've canceled that debt right out. Nate, have you ever done that before? You ever canceled somebody? I didn't think so. Paul said that Jesus and the cross canceled and wiped out the debt. These people would have been astounded. They would have said, there's no way that happens. There are people that are slaves right now because they owe people money. There's no way. We owe to send debt to God. How does that get canceled out? How does that work, Paul? How does that work? 
I don't want you to be confused here. We've got a part to play in this. Now, we, uh, uh, while what Christ did on the cross cancels that sin debt, you can accept it or not. You can accept that or not. It doesn't change the fact that it's true, but for you, it changes it. It changes it. Until you do that, your debt's not canceled. Until you accept that, what Christ did on the cross, it is not canceled. So make no mistake about it. There's a part for us to play. You can believe in God and in his existence. In, in John chapter 8, Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees and the law, uh, the, the, the church rulers of the day. And they believed what he said. It says in, in, John, in John chapter 8 that there were many Jews that believed Jesus. And they turned right around and did not do what he says. So I'm not talking about you believing in God. I'm not talking about that that cancels your sin debt. There are lots of people that believe in God and they still have a sin debt. Lots of people. So it's not that. Scripture says even the demons believe. So I'm not talking about your belief in God. I'm talking about accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross that cancels your debt. So you, 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 you can believe the words that Jesus said, just like the scribes and, and the Pharisees did in John chapter 8. And he, Jesus turned right around and they didn't do what he said. And, and they said, we are of our father Abraham. They believed that the law and being a child of Abraham, a Jew, was going to save them. And he, they, they said, we are children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anybody. First of all, that was a lie. They had been enslaved to people before. They had been. They had. They, they had been enslaved to Egypt, and they had been enslaved to Babylon. So they had been, so, so that was a lie. Uh, and, and, and he said, we are children of our father Abraham. Jesus said to them, if you were children of Abraham, you'd do what he said. You'd do what he says. He, you can believe in Christ and still have a sin debt. The world will tell you, I, 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 I struggled with this because uh, we have a very predominant view of God in our world today that I, I believe is, is, uh, is hurting people. And this view is that, first of all, we're, we're all children of God. And while from the sense that God made us, we're absolutely children of God. The world will tell you that you, you, you are a child of God and you can live however you want. You can do whatever you want to do and still be called a child of God. Jesus dispelled that completely to those scribes and Pharisees in John, in John chapter 8. Read that. if, you, don't, if you, you, need to, you need to hear what he said. He said, you are of your father. Now, these people, let, let me back up. Keep in mind, these were guys that said that they, it says right in those scripture that they had believed what Jesus said, but they didn't do it. He said, you're of your father, the devil. I, I, I think the world today 
will tell you that we're all children of God and there's nothing you have to do. There's no special circumstances for, that you have to do. There's, and that's just not true. It's just not true. We, uh, this chapter in, uh, in, John, in John chapter 8 starts with the scribes and, and the Pharisees bringing a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They brought her, they brought her to, to uh, Christ. Now, keep in mind that at, at this point, the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus was saying all kinds of things that they didn't like. They had tried the day before to catch him up in his words. He knew the law better than they knew the law. He wrote that law, you know. Just He, he kind of knew it better than, better than uh, they did. So they brought this woman to Christ, and they said, hey, we've caught this woman in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says that she should be stoned to death. But Jesus, what do you say? And it says right in the scripture that they were trying to test him, to catch him in something. The law did say, the law of Moses does say that a person caught in the act of adultery, man and woman, so number one, they had a problem there. If they'd caught her in the act of adultery, where was the man? Because he was just as guilty. He, was, he, he had a death sentence as well. So... Uh, uh, and it also uh, said, so it's, it said that the man was in the same boat. Jesus didn't even dispute what the law said because it was true. The law did say that. He, he even adheres to that law in the way that he deals with this. And I'm going to show you that here in just a second. Jesus could have done several things here. He could have asked the scribes and the Pharisees, where's the man? He could have asked that. Jesus being God would have known who the other party was, right? He's omniscient. He knew who, other, who the other party was. He also didn't dispute that this woman had been caught in adultery. He didn't dispute any of that. Jesus didn't even dispute that a death sentence was, spo was uh, supposed to be carried out. He, he did something very amazing here. <laughs> I, I am amazed at how Christ deals with people when they were trying to, trying to catch him in his words. He deals with the sin of the woman, but he first deals with the sin of the scribes and the Pharisees who had brought her, brought her to him. He didn't immediately answer them when they said, in the law, Moses command, commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? He didn't immediately answer. So he did something very interesting. He stoops down on the ground. And they say he started writing something in the dirt on the ground. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us. There's all kinds of speculation. You can read what everybody thinks what, they, what he was writing on the ground. Scripture doesn't say, so I, I'm not even going to speculate on it. It's not, it evidently wasn't important for us to know. And he finally stands up after they persisted. He was still stooped down on the ground, writing in the dirt on the ground. And they said, what do you say, Jesus? We've asked you once, now we're asking you again. The law of Moses says she needs to be stoned to death, but what do you say? He stands up and he says the, these famous words that have been quoted a millions and millions of times. He said, he who is without sin among you, throw the first stone at her. You be the first one. 
Then he stoops down and starts writing again. Now, there's an interesting bit of detail in this story on the very next verse. It says, one by one, beginning with the oldest, the scripture says these were Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees. One by one, they all turned and left, beginning with the oldest. Now, Jewish law said that uh, when a Pharisee was there, if someone asked a hard question, they would all turn and look to the eldest Pharisee for the answer. Guess what the oldest guy in the group did? It's like, I'm out of here. I don't have an answer for that. And one by one by one, every one of them walked away. They had a sin debt. Jesus turns to this woman and he says, Oh, you know, you know what? Let me back up. There's another detail. Let me, let me show you how Jesus actually kept their law. First of all, it was just him. When it was all said and done, it was just him and this woman. Their law said you had to have witnesses, two or three witnesses, to be able to do something like this. They were gone. Jesus turns to her and he, he says, uh, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn, condemn you? She says, no one. No one, Lord. He said something that is powerful. If you haven't heard this in your life, man, you need to hear this. I don't condemn you either. Jesus said, go from now on. Sin no more. Don't sin anymore. If you haven't had Christ say that to you, you've still got to sin debt. First, know that Jesus knew the law better than they knew the law. He was there when they were given. The scripture gives us an interesting detail, and it talks about the eldest leaving because none of them could answer Christ. What a beautiful example of God's love. And keep in mind, do you realize that the cross of Christ hadn't even happened yet? He hadn't been crucified yet. This, uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a beautiful example of the love of God. And Jesus upheld and fulfilled the law that these guys were bringing to him. This sin was this woman's sin. It was hers and she knew it. According to the law of Moses, she did deserve to die for it. That's what their law said. Do you know that on the cross, every sin that has ever been committed or ever will be was wiped out? Do you know that? Do you know that the sin debt has been paid and you just have to accept it? Do you know that? This story in John chapter 8 goes even further in, in dealing with the scribes and their standing. And, and it talks about them saying, we're children of Abraham. Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He was dealing with a very similar, um, uh, very similar circumstance. He says this in Romans, in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Now no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, Paul said, weak as it was through the flesh, 
God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law, listen to what he says here, the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. What? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's your answer for the sin, dad. That's it. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, for the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, never, he says, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, it can never make perfect those who draw near. It's not in the law. It's not in the law. It's what Christ did on the cross. So how does this happen? How is it that this actually happens? I got to teach you another, uh, or uh, help you help me understand about a, a word. It's another Greek word. This word, when when Paul says in verse fourteen, he says, "Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." Now we can read what Paul says there. But without a thorough understanding of, of the original language, we may not see the power in it. So I want to I help you see what the power in what Paul has just said to these people who would have understood exactly what Paul was saying to them. He used a, a phrase in the Greek for that canceled out. When he said that was canceled out, he used a, a, a Greek word, exolipho. Now that does, you may think, well, Barney, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Exolipho in the Greek they were very clear on what that meant. It meant to wipe out, to blot out, or to cancel, to obliterate or exterminate. That was the definition of exolipho. This Greek word, Paul uses a word that had only been used, uh, that, that we can only read five times in the, New, in the New Testament that this word was ever used. Only five times. It's used here in this verse in Colossians, three times in, three times in Revelation, and once in Acts 3. Let's talk for just a second about Acts 3, and I'm, I'm running out of time. Peter and John were going to the temple, and they came upon the beggar. You all know the story. He was lame. He was sitting on a place they called Solomon's Porch outside the temple, and they were able to invoke the name of Christ, and this man was healed. So these guys all walk in. He's jumping up and down, telling them, hey, man, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. People were, it, it, it caused a stir. This whole scene... People were saying that were there, saw this saying, isn't this the same lame man that sat and begged every day? Peter decides it'd be a great time to preach another sermon. <laughs> Listen to what he says. And keep in mind, we're looking for the term exolipho, canceled out, blotted out, completely gone, exterminated, obliterated. Acts, this is Acts 3, 11 through 19. While he was clinging to Peter and John, the man that had been healed, all the people ran to get together to them and at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of, a, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why do you gaze at us like by our own power or piety we had done something to make him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one... This will draw a crowd. They've they, they got to love this. The one whom you delivered 
and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. I'm, we're we're going to get to this. Ex alifo. But, but you disown the holy and righteous one and ask for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the, the prince of life. Boy, he was gaining friends and influencing people here. The one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, Jesus' name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, and Peter gets to the thrust of his message, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, Peter's saying exactly the same thing that Paul just said. Jesus was announced through the prophets in the Old, in the Old Testament. Don't miss this. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and turn so that your sins may be exalifoed, wiped away, blotted out, obliterated, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This word exalifo is a powerful word. It started with a Hebrew word, and I'm going to quickly run through this. It, it, is, it started with a Hebrew word of makah, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's look at the other places where that word's used. When it says in Revelation 7, it says that for the lamb in the center of the lone, in the center of the throne will be their, will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life and God will ex every tear from their eye. He'll wipe it away. Wipe it away. Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, for God himself will be among them, and he will ex every tear from their eye. Yes. There will no longer be any death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain, for all those things have passed away. This act of ex this blotting out in all these contexts is something that only God can do. Only God can do. That, that, that sin debt, that chirographon, that, that certificate of debt, that's the only way it can be canceled out is by God. The Greek word makah, and I'm going to run through this quickly. We know from our English classes, this, it, this, 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 I'm sorry, the Hebrew word makah is a verb. And we know from our English classes that verb is an action word. But this is a little different verb. This is a, God, if there are any, if there are any English teachers in here, you're going you're gonna, to, I'm just, I'm going to hack this up. But it is a causative verb, which means that the subject matter caused the act to happen. Got that? Okay. English wasn't my, my, my best thing. That means that Jesus caused the wiping out of the sin. He was the subject matter. When you were dead in your transgression and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive to get together with him, having forgiven all your transgression, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees that, was a, that, 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 that were against us and hostile to us. He has disarmed the rulers. He had made public display of them. Let's go quickly to the Old Testament. 
And I've got to quote Psalms. You know I wasn't going to let you out of here without saying something in the Psalms. I love the Psalms. That's my favorite book. <laughs> psalm 51, a Psalm of David. This is another place where the Hebrew word makah is used. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out, makah, my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. This is before Christ. This is before Christ. Is it any wonder that Peter and Paul said, Christ was talked about then, guys. You missed it. Wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, David said, against you and you only. Who was our debt to? God. David says, against you and you only, God, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified and blameless when you judge. David, like Paul, knew that his sin debt could only be wiped out by God. When Paul used these terms, the, 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 church, the church at Colossae would have, been, would have been astounded. Paul uses language that he just didn't throw around every day. They did not use that word a lot, but it gets better. The prophet Isaiah is speaking the prophetic words that God gave him and I'm going to wrap it up with this that God gave him in Isaiah 43 starting at verse 15 listen to what God says I am the Lord your holy one the creator of Israel your king thus says the Lord who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, God says, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will make a roadway in, in, the, in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, the beasts of the field will glorify me. The jackals and the ostriches, that would be a weird thing. Because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. God gives Israel and us a glimpse of what he's planning to do. He says that they are not coming to him but they were not, he said, he said, but then he gives them the powerful message of forgiveness that, that, that God offers. This, this message of exilifo, makah, wiping out their sin. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am the one, God says, who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, he said, and I will not re remember your sin. My goodness, my goodness, thank, thank God that we don't have to keep that sin debt. God can blot it out. God, how is it that God would wipe it out for his own sake? God is glorified when you're walking in the forgiveness that Christ offers. God is glorified in that. What happened to that sin debt? What happens when it's wiped away? Paul says it's nailed to his cross. It was nailed to the cross. The cross of Christ. Jesus set aside our sins. This is a separate action from the financial terms that we've used. It's declaring you pardoned. It's declaring that you are pardoned and welcomed. 
even if your debt for a car or a house was wiped out, I don't know that they're going to welcome you in that. God welcomes you. As long as you're walking in that forgiveness and living in the light of Christ, your past failures will not be a barrier between you and God. The law says, you know, you might be sitting here today wondering, Barney, what does all this have to do with me? What does all this have to do with me and my situation in 2019? How, how, how do all these Greek and Hebrew words have anything to do with me? The law of God said there was a debt to pay. We all had it. We all had that debt. It was our debt. That debt was to God and payment was due. The law, the law of Moses and the law of the land today says pay the debt. The cross says, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The law says pay the debt. The cross says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The law says pays the debt. Pay it. Pay up. Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The law says pay the debt. But God, being rich in mercy, a mercy that I didn't deserve, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, Scripture says, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's the only way. I don't have anything else for you. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.